Good afternoon. Welcome to Jay's Talk Plus. I'm Blake Murphy. Got to be completely honest. Little distracted as I come on here. Kevin Durant requests a trade right as we'll lose finishing up the Raptors show. Kevin Durant, of course, the NBA world's most public Toronto Blue Jays fan. He's been photographed multiple times in a Jays jersey. Maybe there's a connection here. As I joked a couple weeks ago, if KD really is a big Jays fan, the move for the Raptors is to get together with the Jays, go out and get Shohei Otani, and then you say to Kevin Durant, well, look at how exciting it'll be to be here in October when you first arrive. It's all connected. First step is Jays get Shohei Otani, who continues to have 400 RBIs every game and 20 strikeouts and never wins. Uh, the Jays did not win either last night. They lose 6-5 in extras. They can't sweep the series. They still take two of three against a division rival that had won seven in a row, but hard to feel like that wasn't a missed opportunity. Alec Manoa was electric early. His velocity was up on all four of his pitches, so you know he was geeked up. Uh, he ends up giving up three over seven, only two of those earned, uh, one getting set up by an Alejandro Kirk throwing error, uh, 6Ks, one walk. So pretty good Manoa appearance. Simber gives them a clean eighth. Romano puts two on, but gets out of the ninth. And then in the 10th, David Phelps uh, goes walk, walk to load the bases, hits a batter for the go-ahead run. Mesa then gets a double play, but pitches to Verdugo with a base open for a two-run double. Jays are down three. Teoscar Hernandez pinch hits for Bradley Zimmer and strikes out. Gabriel Moreno pinch hits for Ryan Maltapia and flies out. It looks like it's done. And then Matt Chapman singles. And then Santiago Espinal singles. And then Kevin Biggio doubles. And suddenly it looks like, ah, uh, maybe maybe a, a Jays comeback once again. Not in this case. George Springer flies out. Uh, the comeback comes up short. A uh, little bit of a disappointing one. Jays did lead 2-1 uh, in that game at one point. Wasn't completely a, a blown lead necessarily, but Phelps and Mesa not being able to hang on remotely in the 10th inning uh, is a tough one. We have to turn the page quickly because the Blue Jays are about to play a five-game series against the Tampa Bay Rays. And by the time this sentence is done, that series will be over. Five games as quick as you can stack them. We're going to be joined by Ben Clemens and Ricky Romero a little later. I want to talk to Ricky Romero about what it's like to start a candidate game at Rogers Center, something he got to do during his Blue Jays uh, career. We got lots of Tampa Bay Rays questions for Ben Clemens of Fangraphs. Uh, and we want to hear your texts throughout the show. 590-590. Uh, convince, help me convince Kevin Durant that the Blue Jays are the key to coming to the Toronto Raptors. Uh, put a Shohei Otani package together. Uh, no, this is a big weekend. I want to hear your thoughts heading into not only a, a fun long weekend with five games down at Rogers Center, but a very meaningful one for the Toronto Blue Jays. Who better? to help us sort through a bizarre five-game set than the play-by-play -play voice of the Blue Jays on Sportsnet 590 and the Sportsnet Radio Network, Ben Wagner. Ben, how are you, buddy? And please say well-rested for the 70 hours ahead. <laughs> uh, I will say well-caffeinated. How about that? I'm well-caffeinated. You're going uh, to have to be. You're going to have to be, man, because you got night game, day game, day game, night game, day game. I'm not exaggerating. By the time, assuming that the game on Sunday doesn't go too, too long, this will be five games in 70 hours. How do you even prep for that? I know. 
I know. Um, listen, being blessed with the number of resources that are provided, uh, I'm in good hands, let me tell you that. From the Blue Jays people and all the great people behind the scenes at Sportsnet, I am, I'm well-sourced. That's great. The ball club is home. Kevin Cash is wonderful. The Rays clubhouse is extremely inviting. And anytime I get a chance to go in the Blue Jays clubhouse, uh, that's always good, where I can mine some, some radio gold, as I like to say, come up with some unique stories and talk to some guys that are going to go through their first Canada Day weekend. I uh, get to experience that. Talk to Blad and Bo and, and, and all the guys down there about Canada Day and, and whether or not it's going to be you know, a unique experience for them. I've asked the guys over the course of the year about landmark ball games, big comebacks, walk-offs, and, you know, they always circle back to the most emotional day being the return, July 30th last year when the Blue Jays were finally allowed to play here at Rogers Center and a small smattering of fans. Now they have seen the crowds grow. They know the excitement in the building uh, and even some of the veterans, you know, that only had this as an opposing player like Matt Chapman, like George Springer. They're finally able to relish the opportunity to play in front of a packed house, perform and, and really make things exciting. And you know, if you if you think about the playoffs and the wild card and the kind of energy that this building can create for this current Blue Jays run, the Boston series is a really good example. Uh, you know, there were some significant letdowns and some spots, you know, that certainly need to be addressed out of those three games on both sides, <laughs> definitely on the Red Sox side. Uh, but the Blue Jays are trying to trying to make things interesting. Last night was certainly no exception to that after the first two nights. Yeah, well, some of the Red Sox issues they could pretty easily inoculate themselves against, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, less so for the Blue Jays. That's well, not I, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah, not as uh, easy. By the way, we have two Tampa Bay Rays who have hit the restricted list uh, as the Rays visit here. Um, relievers um, in Brooks Raley and Ryan Thompson, Javi Guerra and Phoenix Sanders are up to replace them. Tampa's also stocked up the, the taxi squad with uh, five games in four days here on the road. So, Ben, uh, I know that you... you just laid out you know you're going to be around the clubhouse a lot you're you're going to be getting these stories for five broadcasts in a in a tight window for you and Arden Swelling on the Sportsnet Radio Network I'm going to ask you to give at least a little bit away here do you have any sense yet of how the Jays are going to manage these basically five games in three days from a load management perspective or a you know who's getting what off days do you you know are you going into some of these expecting like fully loaded for a win here do you sandbag the the one game with the the triple a call up on saturday just in general the strategy this team's taking into this wild weekend all predicated on what happens tonight what does you say kikuchi do tonight and it's on you say kikuchi to be better that's the bottom line. He has to be better for this pitching staff the way that it's orchestrated right now. He's got to give the Blue Jays some depth because it tees up the next three ball games. And you mentioned a AAA call-up. It'll likely be a long guy. If they have to use Max Castillo today, he is the long man that's lined up behind Yusei Kikuchi. Of course they don't want to have Yusei Kikuchi go short. They would love to have four, maybe five innings of Yusei Kikuchi and, and establish something that they saw earlier in the year that has been absolutely gone his last month in the rotation. 
that really sets the tone for the pitching staff and, and the wheels that have to turn, whether or not it's just adding Thomas Hatch. Maybe he gets a clean start. Maybe it's adding somebody out of the bullpen in Buffalo, whether or not it's a, a multi-inning guy. I would be stunned if Thomas Hatch doesn't appear somewhere in the next 48 hours as part of this thing for the Blue Jays to just jump in there and be a guy that's stretched out. He's already lined up to make the call up in AAA Buffalo. So, you know, when the pitching when the pitching things have to be decided, it happens ultimately after tonight and what right. the Blue Jays are left with. And, again, uh, you know, you're hoping that Yusei Kikuchi and hearing Ross Atkins talk with us yesterday, and then I watched Yusei Kikuchi on the monitor working a little bit in the bullpen, and P. Walker was behind him, and there was a lot of nodding and a lot of, you know, indication that they liked what they saw, just reading the body language from both the lefty and the Blue Jays pitching coach. So, again, you know, there are positive around the changes, the morph, the the added emphasis on this start, whether or not this is the last audition for Yusei Kikuchi to stick in the rotation. So that's the big one that'll come out out of today. And then over the weekend, I think from a position player standpoint, Charlie said this homestand, he would love to have the ability to cycle one of the outfielders off their feet in the Red Sox series. And then somehow with the amount of innings that'll be played over the weekend against the Tampa Bay Rays, that rotation will continue. And it's and it's good, and that's fine, because you've also gotten pretty consistent contact and production from Rymel Tapia. He's played pretty good defensively and had a couple of sparkling plays for the Blue Jays in that Red Sox series. And also, you know, he's holding his own at the, at the plate. With more playing time, he's actually increased his production for the Blue Jays. And that's that's a positive sign for Toronto. So I expect the outfielders to get a little bit of the rotation off their feet. It wouldn't stun me to see Santiago Espinal play at third base. You have the versatility of Kevin Biggio over there. You know Vlad's going to DH one of those doubleheader games as well. So it won't be the set starting nine every game against the Rays over the next four days and five games. But uh, I expect you know no major changes either. Okay, I got a couple quick hitter kind of well we'll call them props for lack of a better term uh likelier to get a start this weekend um bradley zimmer or zach collins you said likelier to get a start yeah who's likelier to get at least one start zach collins okay i thought so too i, I looked at the the day game after night game the double header and the day game after night game and i couldn't figure out a rotation that they'd be comfortable with, I think, with Kirk and Moreno without getting a Collins day in there for one of Kirk's DH days. So I'm with you. Um, okay. Over, yeah. under, yeah. two and a half guys get called up from Buffalo over the course of this series. Over. <laughs> over. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I think uh, you, you know one guy is going to get called up as the 27th man for the doubleheader yeah. uh, that you know that's always just going to happen so uh, just knowing knowing the urgency to cover the innings and the amount of innings necessary over the weekend I think that there is always going to be an error on the side of caution make sure there's big bulk available in some capacity so I expect the shuttle to run quickly between AAA and the big leagues this weekend 
Uh, if any if any of the Jays going back down or coming back up uh, are looking for something to do to fill the time while they wait for the call, a great music festival in St. Catharines this weekend uh, with City and Color and Alexa on Fire and a few other groups. So uh, maybe they could just hang out there and avoid the border wait. Um, ben, last, last little prop for you before we get into some more serious stuff. Um, how many cups of that special tea that you told me about are you downing with five games in 70 hours? Ooh, now I have to be careful, you know, because it's Arden and I, and I've got to cover nine innings of play-by-play. So I have to be very cognizant of how much hydration I do over the course of a broadcast. And if you've been paying attention to the last three or four years, the Tampa Bay Rays and the Toronto Blue Jay ball games are not exactly brisk in pace. So I, I'm gonna put it. I'm gonna put it at a hearty ten ounce, ten ounce cup or glass per ball game. So not too much, but just enough to keep the the whistle wet, as we like to say. That's that's very conservative. That's a, I, it's one of the things that I mean, big fan of yours. You do great work, but that's one of the most impressive things that you can uh, you can manage that capably. So let's get back to the more serious <laughs> side of this. Um, so you mentioned all how everything kind of hinges and swings off Yusei Kikuchi tonight. Jose Barrios starts tomorrow. This has like the downside here is you have back-to-back short starts from starters heading into a doubleheader day with a triple AAA call. This could get dicey fast. Um, Barrios actually has you know, worse numbers on the season than Kikuchi, but it feels like more has been made of uh, Kikuchi's struggles, which I think is fair given the upside that Barrios has shown. Um, but internally, is there, there seems, am I reading it correctly that there's a little more confidence in Barrios start-to-start than Kikuchi? Yes, certainly. I mean, way more confidence in Jose Barrios because at least Jose Barrios is around the plate. Jose Barrios hasn't been able to execute. His fastball has gotten too fat. He hasn't been able to spin the curveball like he usually is, and it's been a dominant pitch over the last couple of years. And that is where Jose Barrios, especially internally, has has had awareness and when there has been a need to make a change or an adjustment he's been able to do it he's been able to do it quickly and he's been able to to take the ball or the suggestion and run with it and and be okay with any sort of adjustment that is where there's been such deficiency with Yusei Kikuchi and trying to instruct him essentially tell him listen this works better this isn't working for you you have to change and and is it a young catching core you know that hasn't been able to grab him by the collar and say hey you've got to do this i'm going to put the fingers down and we're not going to shake and be that that way that's you know that's the big given you look at the spray chart of the fastball, and that's what it looks like. It looks like a spray chart of the fastball from Yusei Kikuchi. He's all over the place. I mean, it looks like shotgun shells all over the place with with his command. Barrios has not been that bad, and Barrios has a track record of making major adjustments at times in the windup or when he was tipping. I mean, significant changes into his entire mechanic delivery, whether it's out of the stretch of the windup, and being able to flip that into some success. So, 
less panic around Jose Barrios, certainly, but there obviously is concern. And that's why a guy like Thomas Hatch, a guy like Casey Lawrence, that are good and stretched out, sitting and waiting in AAA Buffalo and lined up specifically for Friday slash Saturday as well. If there is that need, the depth has been lined up if there has to be a move made. And I, I certainly think the Blue Jays are going to think about that, and they always think about covering the amount of innings necessary. But if you were to say, who are you more concerned about? Kikuchi, obviously. Jose Barrios has these little pockets of success where he has been absolutely dominant, very similar to what he was after the Blue Jays acquired him last year and made their final push through August and September trying to knock down the door to get in the playoffs. But when it's glaring and when it's, not executed in terms of his pitch command. It turns out to be very bad. He gets hit really, really hard. And bottom line is, he's not able to execute the fastball, and it gets turned around pretty quickly. So uh, Pete Walker was watching Jose Barrios work in the bullpen, as he always does. And, um, you know, just reading the tea leaves downstairs, they think that he's in a much better position than what he was in Milwaukee. And the good news is, too, for Jose Barrios, from what I've been told, within a game situation. He's very honest with P. Walker and Charlie Montoyo. If they think something's off and Jose Barrios also feels the same, he'll agree with them. And he's not going to jeopardize the ball club any further if he just doesn't have it that day. That's what it boils down to. If it's not going well, Jose Jose's going to be honest, whether it's physical, whether it's just command or, or what, what have you. He's been very, very honest with the Blue Jays. Ben, of course you would prefer to be calling games that are wins and have these great pitch, starting pitching outings and things like that. But the story tell you, storyteller in you, and I know that you're a huge baseball fan and storytelling is a big part of your job as a play-by-play guy. I think of a game like that Milwaukee game where Max Castillo comes in and he's had this kind of storybook minor league season. He gives you four scoreless. Uh, Matt Gage has obviously been a good story so far this year since getting called up as well. Does the storyteller side of you get pretty excited for, you know, someone is going to have an opportunity this weekend that they wouldn't probably have on any other weekend? And there's possible story gold there, not just for the story, but for a guy to, you know, make his case for the bullpen to, to get a foothold in the majors. Absolutely. I love that component. And it goes beyond even... The guys that are in AAA that may just get this one flash in the pan. It's also the storytelling component about Bo Bichette and what he's going through this year. And what Kevin Biggio has done to turn around his production and his efficiency at the plate as well. Uh, you know, the the guys that are new to the ball club are certainly fresher content, fresher stories. Uh, I, and honestly, this is why I work the backfields and work in the clubhouses when there are 75 guys around spring training and the non-roster invites, you know, that are that are there and you're and nobody has any clue who Matt Gage is back in late January and in February when minor league camp was cranking up. And that's why those introductions are so important because you get a little bit of a foundation. You do some mining. You have these backstories, and you tell them certainly in the spring training broadcast when they're cycled in and you guys know who's going to pitch 
on those days. But here it is. Now it comes to fruition. Why they selected the Toronto Blue Jays organization. What they have done in the minor leagues to push the success in terms of Max Castillo. Solid numbers at double A as he repeats at the level. And then all of a sudden, you know, Jeff Ware is raving about him to me, the pitching coach down in Buffalo. When I talk to him, now it's been 10 days, 12 days, whatever it is. And I, I asked him prior to the call-up, I said, who are you excited about? And he mentioned Max Castillo and what Max has been able to do. The fact that he hasn't shied away from contact. He understands his role within the organization. He's just trying to pitch well enough to get an opportunity. And then, boom. Certainly it happens against the New York Yankees, and Max was so amped up, and his heart rate was elevated, and he gave up the home runs. But he looked much calmer, and of course, it's not the pressure-packed situation and the nervousness of a Major League debut, and he gives you what Jeff Ware had been telling me about in Milwaukee. You know, command of the strike zone, effective pitches, very efficient in the innings that he's working. So all these things woven together over the course of an inning, and pitchers obviously can be such a focal point when they're on the mound working. But I, I love these kind of weekends. I love a lot of baseball over the course of a day. It's, it's my, my most enjoyable part about broadcasting baseball is to weave these games, these series, these weeks, these months over the course of a broadcast together and a doubleheader gives you 18 innings or hopefully 17 innings because you don't need the bottom <laughs> of the ninth and you Blue Jays can wrap up two wins and and you know you just ride off into the sunset that night uh, all that stuff's why you're the best in the biz Ben um, all the the backfield stuff and knowing all these guys deep in the org um, a little harder to get a, to get a handle on uh, the Rays depth because somehow their starting pitching situation looks even more dire than the Blue Jays right now. They'll go with an opener today and uh, a call up in Ryan Yarbrough as the kind of projected long man after the Matt Weisler uh, opener. And then when they don't know who they're pitching in the doubleheader Saturday or the game Sunday either, um, when you look at how the Rays line up, and I guess the same logic would hold for what the Tampa Bay Rays are saying uh, in their clubhouse as well, but how imperative do you feel it is for the Jays' bats to get off to a good start in this series and really dig into that Tampa bullpen early? Really important. Absolutely. Really important. So, uh, Jeremy Springs was lost. He had been tabbed as the starter in this opener, and he was placed on the family emergency leave mm -hmm. after the ball game, and, and the club left St. Pete last night. So Matt Whistler jumps in here, and this feels like a, a classic Tampa Bay Ray move, right? You go with the opener, and then Ryan Yarbrough comes up, and we've seen this combination before. Yarbrough is down at AAA. This feels like a classic, you know, you bring in the lefty, here's the bulk guy, so you don't make your lineup up for the, the guy that you're first going to face. You make the lineup up for that second, third, fourth, fifth inning as well. So the Rays pitching rotation right now is in duress. Their bullpen is beaten up as well. And I think this is prime, prime picking for the Toronto Blue Jays lineup to get really, really, really into this Rays bullpen. I really do. Uh, the one question that I have, Drew Rasmussen is eligible to come off the injured list. Perhaps you see him in the next couple of days. Either one of those doubleheader days, if his hammy feels okay. Jeez, he might start tomorrow. I don't know. Uh, but, you know, he's really good. And if he's healthy, he's really good. And then you have a one-two punch with Shane McClanahan coming up over the weekend as well. And he's one of the best pitchers along with Alec Manoa in the entire American League this year. So it's definitely not a cakewalk, but this Rays ball club is certainly beaten up more than the Blue Jays have faced them the last couple of years. They don't have the depth right now. And it seems like in the last few seasons with the Rays' success comes 
the Rays always finding an answer and finding a guy somewhere with already in the organization that can come up and be the perfect matchup and be this little gold star in a performance in some capacity, making an impact in a ball game that helps Tampa Bay win ball games, and that just hasn't been the case this year, and especially over the last couple of weeks, they've been playing like the Blue Jays. They've played 14 straight games decided by two runs or less, and that bullpen has been victimized by the long ball, and the Rays aren't swinging it as well right now with a couple of big bats out of their lineup. They lost Margot. They don't have Kevin Kiermaier. Uh, it's another reason they've been out homer 12-1 to 1 in, in the last, I think it's five games. So they're really susceptible coming into this series. Yeah, there, there's always the risk that they'll do some raised stuff. There's a there's a very good hockey Twitter tweet from Acting the Fuleman that says, the Penguins always have like eight injuries and 12 call-ups I've never heard of. The call is like Malkin gains the zone with Mark Donk and Buzz Flibbit. And you look, and both those guys have 47 points. That's how I feel about the Rays' bullpen a lot of the time. It's just you look, and Buzz Flibbit has given them 30 innings of, of great ball. So it, it never feels like it's uh, it's too far around the corner from the Rays on the pitching side. Uh, the hitting side, uh, I'm not quite as sure. Uh, we're going to talk to Ben Clemens of Fangraphs in a little bit here about Shane McClanahan because he's doing uh, a bit of a statistical oddity, Ben. Uh, 23 three-pitch strikeouts this year, which leads baseball. Uh, he's he's terrific. Ooh. He's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, can't wait to hear some of your calls on the weekend. I'll probably mix and match radio and TV, depending how nice it is out. Uh, but really looking forward to you and Arden. And uh, hope some rest is ahead somewhere between all these games, Ben. Well, I will take the uh, downtime and use it as to my best of my ability, but I'm certainly going to enjoy every, every pitch over the course of what is now a very important homestand. And let's remember, you took two out of three against the Boston Red Sox, right? That's really yeah. good. The pressure was at the start of this homestand for the Blue Jays, knowing how important it is with a couple of teams nipping on the heels right now in the wild card race. Uh, I still think, I still think, the five games are going to be really, really exciting between these two ball clubs. Yeah, and so if enjoy. The crowd, late, the crowd lately at Rogers Center has been any indication. It's going to be a, it's going to be a loud and fun one down there all weekend. Um, ben Wagner, enjoy. Can't wait to hear you on the call. And thanks so much for taking the time out. Thanks, Blake. Ben Wagner, he'll have you for all five games alongside Arden Zwelling on the Sportsnet Radio Network. First pitch tonight is seven oh seven. So look for Ben and Arden then. Uh, to keep it confusing, we're going to go to another Ben after the break. We're going to talk to Ben Clemens of Fangraphs. Uh, he's been on the Tampa Bay Rays a little bit, not just the McClanahan note that I just mentioned, but this is not a Tampa Bay Rays team that has been hitting like we're used to seeing from recent Tampa Bay Rays teams. Ben Wagner just teed it up for you a little bit with how they've been getting out homered. Uh, this organization's offensive depth is being put to the test, and we're going to grade how they're doing on that test with Ben Clemens of Fangraphs next. On Jay's Talk Plus on Sports F590, The Fan. Everything you need to know about the Blue Jays. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Jay's Talk Plus. Lonely weekend? Uh, certainly not if you're a Blue Jays fan. You get five games over the next uh, not even three full days. We just spoke to Ben Wagner, who's going to be on the call with Arden Zwelling for all of them on the Sportsnet Radio Network, starting tonight with a 7.07 first pitch. Uh, one small update. Uh, this comes via Mitch Bannon of SI. Uh, Adrian Hernandez, who we've talked a lot about on this show as a potential uh, relief 
call up. Uh, he's the guy that you maybe you've seen the the pitch videos of his change up gripped screwball, however you want to describe that. Uh, he has not pitched well of late three homers his last four outings uh mitch reports that he's dealing with some right shoulder soreness hasn't pitched in 10 days uh and his throwing progression just started again this week so uh he's not in the mix anytime soon from the sounds of it certainly not this weekend as the jays rotate in and out uh, a million different arms probably so in terms of rotating out one ben in one Ben out. It's Ben Clemens of Fangraphs. Uh, how are you, buddy? I'm doing well. That was, that was a good segue. How are you, Blake? I'm doing well. I, I stumbled around it a little bit. I was trying to find my way back. Everyone's tweet about Ben Simmons, too, because of this Kevin Durant thing. No no shortage of Bens. Uh, so, Ben Clemens of Fangraphs. What the heck do we do trying to figure out what five games in 70 hours is going to look like for this Jays Rays series? I mean, this is this is the benefit that I get as someone who takes the long view and writes about <laughs> the whole league. I can just say, I don't know, man. <laughs> Check back with me later. <laughs> this this amount of baseball in short series is really hard to predict. And I mean, baseball is always kind of hard to predict in small series. But when you throw in how crazy and stretched the pitching usage is going to be, look, it's going to be fun. I'm going to have a fun time watching the games and I'm not going to stress myself too much trying to figure out what's going to happen. So a lot of the questions in a series like this come on the pitching side, but I want to start off talking on the, the bat side for the Tampa Bay Rays. You had a piece recently up at Fangraphs that said Tampa's offensive depth put to the test. Um, they are currently sporting a 97 WRC plus uh, and a sub 300 OBP. So what that says is uh, about 3% below league average offense overall. Uh, that's been even worse in the last 30 days. It's been even worse if we isolate for right-handed pitching. Uh, ben, what are the Rays struggling with most here beyond just the injuries? We could talk about the injuries too, um, but this is not a Rays team that's hitting like we're used to from them. Yeah. I'd say the Rays' biggest problem, again, aside from injuries, let's, let's just leave that aside, that, that can happen to anybody, is just that the way they set the team up, they're counting on a lot from some of their kind of, I mean, not just minor league call-ups, but basically the, the back-end depth of the team. And the Rays are usually really good at that, and they've still been pretty good at it this year, but a little bit of it has fallen on its face, like Taylor Walls is not hitting that well, I mean, he's hitting really badly. like. <laughs> You know, there's hitting badly, and then there's what Taylor 167, you don't get 200 plate appearances and get to hit 167 very often. Right, and it's not even like he makes up for it with everything else. His slugging percentage is 276. It's it's ugly. I mean, that's that's not what a regular looks like. And there's a lot of that. Like, Vidal Brujan is kind of in the same boat. Uh, he's, I mean, he's hitting 157. Like, you, you think that's bad. And he's, yeah. been, he's been playing major minutes for them. These guys are generally for the Rays really good. I mean, Josh Lowe, same kind of deal. He's just not really hitting. And I'm really upset with him for being on the major league Rays because they have Brandon Lau. And I mean, yes. I can't tell you how many times I've messed that up, but yeah, the low and the Lau is, past, uh, yeah, I, I'm, it's not, rough. I'm not here for it. There should just be a, a rule that they all pronounce it one way. Yeah. But at least if they're on the, the same is, team, I, I understand right. you know, oh, we have yeah. accents and stuff like that on some of the, uh, the Spanish names and those, require different pronunciations, but these are spelled the exact same. There's no accents or anything like yeah. that. You're on the same team. Uh, figure it Very out. Low and Lau. Whoever, let's do it but, this way. You know. Whoever hits better for the season 
gets to choose how the name is said. So guess what? Josh Lowe, you're now Josh Lau because you have a 52 WRC plus. Yeah. And so those guys, you know, Lowe or soon to be Lau apparently and Bruhan and Walls in years past Phillips, the Rays have, yeah. I mean, Phillips is, he's no one thought he was going to hit well. I mean, he's, he's there for defense, but he's hitting even worse than you expect. But in past years, the Rays have turned those guys into average players, above average players, and they just continually have more depth coming up. And when that doesn't work, well, it's a key part of the Rays engine. They don't pay at the top of the market for good hitters. That That's just not how they operate. So, you know, they don't go out and get George Springer. They say, oh, well, Taylor Walls is kind of like 75% of a George Springer for 2% of the cost, so let's do it. And when that doesn't work, uh, then you really need the stars to hit, and the stars are hurt. So they're just in a really, a really tough bind at the moment where their depth really needs to hit, and it really hasn't this year. So they're missing Manuel Margot, Kevin Kiermaier, Brandon Lau, and Mike Zanino all at once right now. Um, when you look at the fact that the Rays haven't been able to find or create those guys, do you have a sense of, is this just, you know, you can't do it forever. Eventually you're going to run out of guys and the the guys you call up and, and who perform are going to price themselves out. Like, is there just a a runway that, that the Rays have run out of here is just a, a particularly unfortunate month or so for them depth wise. I'm, I'm somewhere in between those two. Okay. So I, I do think that they can't keep having guys be better than we expect. It, it doesn't work forever that way. Like some of it is just that they're really good at player development, but some of it too is that they're, you know, they're rolling dice and they're hitting eights and nines out of, on two, six set of dice or whatever. They're, they're rolling pretty well and you're bound to have some guys not pan out. And for six years, everyone, the Rays brought up panned out on the offensive end or largely, and look, I mean, you can miss on one or two guys, even if you have a really good player development system, baseball is hard and everyone's trying really hard. And it's pretty easy to really try hard and be pretty talented and have a small edge over the rest of these other guys who make a bunch of money and try hard and not quite make it. And that doesn't mean that the raise, the rest of the raise depth. And I think they have one of the top five farm systems in baseball still won't, you know, power these guys through in future years. But it's fair to say this raise team basically the guys that they've counted on to hit just haven't really been up to it yet. And they're, they're going to need to have these guys start hitting better, which I'm kind of down on. I, I'm not a believer in walls is bad. And I've never really been a believer in Bruhan's bat or they're going to need to acquire people or they're going to have a down year. It's one of those basically. Yeah. And we know that if they're acquiring people, it's going to be cost conscious. So maybe it comes at the, the cost of prospects, which then hurts your depth for future years. Um, so despite being a below average offense so far this year, the Rays are kicking in at 40 and 34. Uh, they're in one of the, they're in the final wild card spot. They're, they come into this five game series, only a game and a half back of the Jays and how they've done that without the bats is a 323 team ERA. Um, ben, how do you manage a 323 team ERA, team ERA when really you only have three of what you'd call probably a full-time starting pitcher? Yeah, so the Rays do it a few ways. One is they have the best left-handed pitcher in baseball right now in Shane oh, McClanahan. Yeah. And yeah, he's he's just great. I don't know. What do you do? Like, you, you <laughs> develop guys like Shane McClanahan, then good. You'll be good. But in addition to that, they are the best team in baseball just period at getting the most out of their guys who are kind of limited, but majorly level talented. So they're not, they're not turning me or you into major league usable pitchers. That that's very harsh to these guys, but the Rays 
can look at somebody who pitches pretty well, but maybe at a level that would be just below the major leagues for a lot of teams and figure out a way to stretch that out. It's changing the pitch usage or optimizing who you use them against, or maybe it's moving where they stand on the mound or tinkering with their delivery or tinkering with just any number of things, teach them a new grip, all those kinds of things really get the last little bit out. And then their usage of the bullpen is just, just, you know, it's, it's worth looking at because they do such a good job of it. And it's really hard to kind of reverse engineer. I don't know. They're, they have so many moving pieces that they make fit, but the main thing that they're doing is they're not trying to have their guys who are not suited to go get, you know, eight outs or 10 outs or 15 outs, whatever the case may be. They're getting them out of there before they're used, before they're too tired or they've been seen too many times or whatever the novelty factor is wears off. That's it's easier said than done, of course. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. Sure. Okay. Just pull your pitchers before they get bad. Oh, okay, great. That's, yeah. Every manager would do that if they knew when they were going to get bad, but the Rays do a very good job of figuring that out and balancing the fact that if you are too early on the pull, you're just going to burn through everyone. You know, you can't be too early forever. And if you're too late, you're going to go up too many runs and the Rays do a great job of just skating down the middle and kind of using the whole bullpen. There's, there are no guys in their bullpen who don't get in games and throw in and throw important innings without overusing anybody. It's impressive and it's hard to do, but they've, they've managed it. This seems to me more uh, sustainable by the way, because they're just, they're really good at it. And it's easier to figure out that a pitcher can throw 95 with a slider than it is to teach guys how to hit. Yeah, and this is how you end up with nine different relievers this year who've thrown at least 10 innings and have an ERA below three. It's just, and that's with Nick Anderson, Pete Fairbanks, JP Fireyes, and Andrew Kittredge all on the IL, too. Uh, They do, they really do seem infinite in the bullpen. Um, It does highlight in a five game series like this how imperative it is for. Uh, the Jays to get on the board early and get into that bullpen. Uh, we're going to see an opener tonight from Tampa from the looks of it, uh, Matt Weisler, and then it'll be um, Yarborough coming up from the minors to be the long man behind him. Uh, I was wondering, Ben, the the opener was kind of a, a hot topic of conversation maybe four or five years ago, and we saw teams adopted a little bit more, saw it used in the playoffs sometimes. Um, how do you feel about it in general now that we have a couple years of teams operating this way? Um, and, and maybe not just with respect to the Rays, who, like you laid out, do it better than anyone. Um, but is it still, do you expect it to stay in vogue? Have we kind of seen the the limitations of the opener now? Yeah, I think that we've seen basically the high watermark for openers. And for what it's used for when it's used, in moderation, I think it's fine. It's a good tactic where you have a, a reliever or a starter rather like Yarbrough is a good example. He's probably a starter, right? He's, mm-hmm. he throws multiple innings. He doesn't throw super hard. He's the kind of guy who can go through a lineup more than once. when you have a guy like that, but who is kind of limited. And I mean, you say Kikuchi is not a terrible example. If you're looking at Jays for the same thing. Well, I don't really want this guy facing their best hitters three times for sure. And I, I may not want him facing their best hitters two times. I, I just prefer not to. So if you bring in a reliever to start the game, well, your reliever can face those best guys once. Then Kikuchi or, you know, just whoever you want. I'm just using him because now I'm on, now I've got him on the brain, but Yarbrough too. <laughs> then he faces the whole lineup once through. Then he faces the bottom a second time and you get him out of there. And so what you get is you get the length manufactured by having a starter in there for multiple innings. 
and you get to avoid having probably your weakest per inning pitcher. And I mean, that's just what baseball is at this point. Relievers are better on a per inning basis. You avoid having your worst per inning pitcher face their good hitters twice. It doesn't work quite as well if, you know, if you've got a lineup like the Jays where just everyone's a good hitter, but <laughs> the, the concept I think is pretty good. And I think it'll continue to have uses because it's just a way to hide your worst starters basically. Yeah, and and you know the Jays haven't used it a ton since the Wilmer Font era. Um, can't believe, can't remember if he's in Japan or Korea, but he had almost he almost had a no hitter this year. Wilmer Font. Um, Former you know, Ray, I think Wilmer of Font, the Jays everywhere. Yeah, um, I think of even a guy like Ross Stripling for the Jays, who's been terrific, and he's been terrific to the extent that they're starting to have to consider. Well, do you let him face a lineup a third time? Well, yeah, maybe an opener at the start is how you let him face a lineup two and a half times then because it's against the the bottom half of the order there uh, instead of the top uh, only once still have they let him go more than two batters into uh, the third time through so that's how the Rays will do it for a couple of these games on Saturday we know that Shane McClanahan is going to start one of them you called him the best left-handed pitcher in I can't remember if you said baseball or the American League but either way I wouldn't argue with you um, and a note you had in a recent piece 23 three-pitch strikeouts from McClanahan this year, leading the league by uh, by a decent margin there. I, obviously, there's a lot that McClanahan does well, but what stands out to you the most about just how effective he's been, um, you know, this year and really since he reached the majors last year? Yeah, I think the main thing that stands out to me is, and this is cheating, but I enjoy doing that, is that he does so many things well it doesn't make a lot of sense that you'd have, I mean, a four pitch pitcher, really. I, I wouldn't even call him a three pitch pitcher. He has four pitches that are all good. And also who throws 97 and also from the left side, like everyone's kind of known he's very talented for a long time, but it didn't seem like he had all his pitches or he'd be hurt or, you know, his curveball wasn't quite right or his slider wasn't quite right. And putting it all together, being healthy and, also just really wanting to attack that three pitch strikeout stat kind of gets right at what he's best at, which is he's not goofing around, right? He's not bouncing sliders, trying to set you up for a high fastball. He's trying to strike you out. And I think that's, that's pretty valuable for the Rays because as we've mentioned, they turn through quite a few bullpen pieces, other places. And so if they also weren't getting links out of their best starters, that's tough. I mean, they've managed it in past years, like with Blake Snell, but they would obviously prefer to get more length out of their good starters. And by being really aggressive and just having, I mean, top of the line stuff, if you look at any of these stuff based metrics, he's, I think he may just be the best pitcher in baseball in terms of stuff, but certainly the best left-hander. Yeah. You combine that with an attacking mindset and it's really good. I don't know how good it's going to be against the blue Jays who are presumably the best lefty hitting team in baseball, but it's, uh, it's, definitely an impressive season by him and for me he's my AL Cy Young favorite despite lots of great seasons elsewhere yeah I was gonna say don't be saying that on Toronto radio when Alec Manoa's around uh you know the the Jays fans will be the rest of the season will decide it and Manoa is in the top two for sure so far and Gaussman's in the top five honestly but McClanahan has just been wildly impressive so far it's it's ridiculous and I know that Kikuchi is nowhere near the pitcher that McClanahan is overall and one and a half miles on the fastball from a lefty makes a big difference but I would love to just sit down with him and point to McClanahan's early early plate appearance approach and early plate appearance attack methodology because like a lot of Kikuchi's struggles especially in first innings has been not trusting the fastball and not not throwing it 
in competitive spots. So uh, yeah, maybe he'll see it this weekend and the, the light will go on. Uh, you mentioned the Jays being one of the best lefty hitting teams in baseball. Uh, they're second to the White Sox by WRC plus, but they have faced just no lefties this year. It's a, it's a really odd thing to continue. They have faced far fewer lefties than any other team in baseball in terms of plate appearances. So uh, interested to see how they do against an elite lefty this weekend. Um, ben, we talked around Kikuchi a little bit. Uh, the Jays also have uh, Barrios, who, who's been a little up and down. Um, I don't want to get too deep into specific trade iterations, but you recently wrote about Frankie Montes at Fangraphs. Is he, in your estimation, kind of the cream of the, the trade market crop if a team were to get in the mix for a starter? Yeah, it's him or one of the two guys on the Reds, uh, mm-hmm. Maley and Castillo. and One of whom I can't come to Toronto. Be so. like. Yeah, yeah, that doesn't help. <laughs> and, uh, but I also don't know how, how willing the Reds are going to be to trade those guys. They've just been acting very strangely on the trade market in general of late. They're half-adding, half-subtracting, looking to subtract payroll, but wanting to add talent. It's kind of confusing, whereas we know what the A's are doing. The A's want to trade you their best guy, and they want to get a bunch of people back, and they've already, they've already done business with the Blue Jays. So I think that's just the most natural fit. And honestly, I just do think Montes is the best option. He's really good. He's really consistent. And he's not just controllable for this year. He'll be back next year at a reasonable cost. There's, there's a lot to like about him. The thing that's not to like is that the A's want, you know, three or four of your prospects for him. <laughs> yeah, eh, they might. And the Jays have given the A's a lot of prospects over the years uh, already. Um, quickly, before we let you go, Ben, say the Jays shift their focus to bullpen help instead of starter help, which I think is probably more realistic. Um, are there any relievers and particularly relievers who can miss bats who, who you're kind of keeping an eye on for, man, I'd like to see that guy play competitive baseball in September and October. Yeah, there are a few. And a lot of this depends on how willing teams are to trade, you know, good relievers who are controllable, but not for that, not, you know, they're relievers. So you don't know if they'll be good in three years. And so the control matters a little less there. So one guy that I think makes a lot of sense and sticking with the A's is Lou Trevino. And I, he has a 70 area this year, so that's, that's bad. <laughs> that's pretty bad. But uh, I think he looks pretty good. He's been good in plenty of past years, and the main thing that's hurting him so far is that teams have put 34 balls in play against him, and 17 of them have landed for hits. That's that's really bad luck. It's just it's hard to imagine how bad of luck that is. And other than that, like he's still striking people out. He doesn't walk too many people. He doesn't give up a ton of home runs. I think he's a, a nice possible addition who wouldn't cost a ton. A player who I'd really be interested in seeing is, uh, is Edwin Diaz's brother, which is uh, just cool by itself. <laughs> um, so he's on the Reds as well. Oh, it looks like he's injured right now, isn't it? Alexis Diaz. Yeah, he is out with biceps tendonitis. But if he's back by the trade deadline, I think he's a very interesting piece in that the Reds would probably be willing to attach him to some deals just because – I don't know. They don't know what they have. And I think that they're just in a mode of, we'd like to trade some people. Yeah. And yeah, you know, he fits that. And I don't think he'd cost a tremendous amount. He looks like a, like a starter kit for Edwin Diaz. He doesn't throw quite as hard, but he has very similar delivery, very similar pitch mix. And it's just good. You know, that that's probably the most important part of it is that he's good. Another and then you're not picking Sergio fits. Romo up off the waiver heap and hoping that the good right. vibes I like lead Sergio to Romo, but 
Yeah. yeah, I like Sergio Romo, but it's not it's not ideal. Uh, another name who I think makes more sense, but in kind of a similar vein, is David Bednar on the Pirates. Yeah, and he he's a similar deal where he's controllable for a number of years. He's 27, but he's only been in the majors. He didn't debut until 2021. So would he cost a decent amount in return? I mean, maybe, but on the other hand, he's a 27 year old reliever and teams are pretty happy to get something back for those. And the pirates may be a bit gun shy. Cause you know, they keep trading clay homes and it keeps turning into clay homes, <laughs> but uh, it, he does seem like a fit because he can throw multiple innings, which is really nice to have in your bullpen, particularly if you're kind of stretched and everybody's hurt like the blue Jays are. And again, like, I think you can count on him being good for the next two to three years. Relievers have kind of a notoriously short half-life where in three years, he might just be league average and yeah, your team control doesn't matter that much then. But if you're looking for somebody who's good this year and next, I think that's what the Jays should be in the market for. Like they don't, they're much happier getting a guy who's good for two years than for one because expect them to be better next year than this. And he'd fit that pretty well. The pirates like the A's love getting depth back instead of a top end. And I think that also suits the Jays pretty well. If I'm the Jays, I don't really want to trade my top prospects right now. Cause I kind of like having like a, a pipeline of top prospects that I could put in. If one or two guys hit that makes this team good for a long time. And so that makes you a little bit more willing to trade the depth when you have so many like young major league starters in the majors already. Well, the depth piece is a little bit less valuable. So if you can trade yeah. kind of two prospects in the mid range, to get a player that's better for me than trading somebody closer to the top and the pirates and A's are the best teams in terms of asking for that depth from you. So I think those are the ideal trade partners. And the Jays have an army of like fifth infielder types in the system, which is exactly what Pittsburgh loves as a team and as a fan base. Um, This is the the Neil (laughs) Walker fan base. Um, Yeah. I I like Bednar a lot. I'm with you on the, the controllability for relievers not being, as big a deal as it sometimes made it to like what you want to make sure you have the right to non tender the guy when he's a uh, arb eligible in a couple <laughs> exactly. of years and gets too expensive. Um, so yeah, that those are some interesting names to keep an eye on. Bedner's come up on the show a couple times. A lot of listeners ask about him. Uh, so glad you gave us the skinny there. Um, ben Clements. Thanks so much for taking the time, man. Uh, enjoy. I know you don't have tomorrow off. We have tomorrow off. We flip the Friday and Monday, Canada, U S but have a great long weekend. Enjoy the five games in three days. Uh, and really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, absolutely. I'll def- I'll be watching at least three of these games. They're going to be a blast. Have a great day, Blake. Can't wait. Uh, ben Clemens of Fangraphs. Some nice insight there into how the Rays do the Rays magic uh, and a couple potential bullpen options for the Jays. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to look at some of your questions. Uh, Jaspreet's got one in there about the bullpen and this front office. Uh, we have some in there about, oh, yeah, Start texting him. What's what's been your favorite Jays giveaway or giveaway at any game you've gone to? Um, I'm not making this up. Blake in Toronto, uh, who is not me, te- uh, texted in about his Dave Steve bobbleheads. Um, so yeah, uh, text in what your favorite Jays giveaway has been. We obviously had the Alec Manoa shirt yesterday, George Springer jersey uh, on Canada Day. So keep those coming in. Send your questions to 590-590. Make sure you include your name and location so we can shout you out. Uh, We'll do that, and we'll give you the Jays lineup next on Jays Talk Plus on Sports at 590, The Fan. Great daily gambling advice from J.D., Blake, and Ailish in the Fan Morning Show's Wake and Rake. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Welcome back to Jay's Talk Plus. Happy Thursday. Happy long weekend. It's a little overcast here in Drumbo, Ontario, but I think the sun's going to peak out. It'll be out for at least a couple of these five games over the course of uh, 70 hours over four days that the Jays are playing against the Tampa Bay Rays. That song coming in was a little band called Camp Trash, a song called Weird Florida. Certainly going to be some weird Tampa baseball this weekend and some weird Jays baseball. Uh, if you are ever curious about the songs I play as we come in from breaks, uh, there's a Spotify playlist. Just search Jays Talk Plus on Spotify or E. Blake Murphy um, if you're ever curious. We have a lineup for tonight. We don't have probable pitchers for most of this. Oh, look at that. Ben Wagner posting a photo that the dome is in the process of opening right now. So there you go. The sun's coming out. The dome's opening up. It's going to be a good weekend. It's going to be a good weekend. Um, We do have a lineup. We don't have probable pitchers for the whole weekend yet. Uh, What we're looking at. By the way, uh, tonight's game 707. Ben Wagner and Arden Zwelling on the call for you uh, on the Sportsnet Radio Network as they are all weekend. But Thursday, 707. Friday, 307. Saturday, 1207 and 607. And Sunday, 137. So uh, we're also mixing in five different start times here over the five-game set. So make sure you check your your calendars and your phones uh, to make sure you're tuning in at the right time on the Sportsnet Radio Network or on Sportsnet on television. Um, today is Yusei Kikuchi against Matt Weisler, and we believe Ryan Yarbrough will, is coming up and will uh, be the follower in that one. It's been a tough road for Yusei Kikuchi. There was some talk that maybe he wouldn't stay in the rotation all that long. There's been some suggestions that this is a kind of a last chance for him maybe to, to figure his stuff out. I personally, I, I look at his stat profile, and I, I'm not sure it's a, it's something that screams move to the bullpen to me. Um, he's not attacking early enough and aggressively enough. He's not using his fastball well enough. Um, he is not pitching very well in first innings at all. Those are all things you'd you'd want going in the opposite direction for, for a reliever, but maybe it's just lower leverage spots to work on uh, his stuff. Here was Ross Atkins talking about Yusei Kikuchi getting today's start uh, earlier in the week. I think the key word is balancing it and and being empathetic. So it's, you know, understanding that, one, this happens in baseball. It happens in professional sport. Um, Two, um, that we're in it together and being supportive and in it for the long haul. Um, And then, you know, coming up with the potential solutions and strategies together while trying to put the best major league team we can out there on a daily basis. So Yusei's been incredible. He has been very open. He has, um, you know, cares deeply about competing. And I I can't imagine anything being more difficult than, you know, him not feeling like he's, uh, you know, able to be at his best at this point. And the last couple of starts have been very frustrating for him. So, uh, but... His professionalism is there, the work ethic is there, the commitment is there, and our faith and, and our belief is there. That was Ross Atkins on Yusei Kikuchi, who gets the start uh, tonight in game one of this five-game set. Tomorrow, you're looking at Jose Barrios against Corey Kluber. Saturday, both teams have a big old TBD on the board, but Kevin Gosman and Shane McClanahan will each start one of the games. We don't know if they'll go head-to-head, if they'll be split up, first game, second game, but Gosman and McClanahan 
perhaps the best righty and best lefty in the AL in terms of pure stuff so far this season. Uh, no disrespect to Alec Manoa, who has the numbers edge on Gosman. Um, but we're just talking, can your best pitch get a lot of swing and miss? Gosman's still right up there when the fastball and the split are working. Sunday, it'll be Ross Stripling against another big old TBD for Tampa Bay. Tampa had to put uh, Brooks Raley and Ryan Thompson on the restricted list. Uh, just a real shock that the guys who wouldn't wear the team pride gear are also not vaccinated and can't come to Toronto. Uh, upset of the century with that one. Uh, Springs was supposed to start today, but he got put on the family emergency list. So uh, hoping all the best for Springs there. On the J side, we would expect a lot of roster moves over the course of the weekend. Uh, we don't know exactly what those are going to look like yet. The speculation from our sports and people around the team has been Thomas Hatch would be in line to get that uh, Saturday, that extra Saturday start. He's stretched out. That's on his um, kind of on his cadence. It wouldn't be a huge adjustment for him to throw Saturday and try to give the team bulk innings. Uh, the way the bullpen looks right now, Jordan Romano might not be available today. He's thrown 42 pitches over the last two days. Um, Tim Mays has appeared in back-to-back games, and he's thrown um, 54 pitches, 53 pitches over the last four days. Uh, he's maybe not a, a guy you want to use. And Simbers pitched two days in a row, too. So your bullpen's a little tired, maybe. Um, you do have Matt Gage, Trent Thornton, Max Castillo, who could potentially give you multiple innings if you say Kikuchi struggles again. And you also have Sergio Romo who was activated yesterday and is now officially on the team. Uh, he's been a lot of fun to follow throughout the years. He is, as Arden Zwelling put it yesterday, the right kind of weird uh, that you want around your team and in your clubhouse and in your bullpen. Uh, seems like a great dude with a great perspective. Here is Sergio Romo talking to media yesterday about what he can bring to this Toronto Blue Jays team. It's it's literally just turning the page. You know, uh, there, there's there's nothing else really to it. You know, as a reliever and as a back-end reliever, the majority of my career, I've, I've literally been told, you know, short-term memory. you got to have short-term memory. Forget it. You know, forget the day before and, and just keep going. You know, there's always there's always tomorrow, so to speak. And for me, like, uh, you know, I respect this game so much that I, I try to give it my best every time, obviously. You know, like, I'm not fiddle-fouling. There's not a guy in the big leagues that I think is, that, it, that I don't think is any good. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you don't sure. just, cat, you know, by sure luck, just make it to the big leagues. It's not that simple, you know? So uh, what what I know that's going to help me come out is, is the fact that I've been through similar ruts before. You know, I've been on teams where we weren't the best and we didn't have winning records, and I wasn't necessarily doing well on those, you know, losing teams, so to speak, myself, you know. So uh, I, I've been able to pick myself up my whole life also. You know, everything in my life is, you know, I, I don't complain and I don't tell most people about it because I'm not the only one that's, you know, didn't have it easy, you know. Uh, so, uh, and I understand that. So, but uh, I've had to pick myself up a lot. I've had to trust myself a lot in my life. I've had to bet my, on myself for the, my, the entirety of my life. So uh, there's no different here. You know, uh, I've seen it. So there's, I've seen myself do well. I've seen what my best looks like. And, you know, I, I have ideas on how to get there. Yeah, there's confidence. There's grit. There's guile. Uh, there's a, tons of fight still. I mean, 
I didn't know I was I can run as fast as I did last night again. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, say like I joked around with the guys in the pain. Either you guys are slower, I'm way faster than I thought I was. <laughs> again, I I can't express it anymore on how excited I am to be here. You know, uh, especially with the aspirations and the expectations being so high. Uh, I'm not going to run from those expectations. I'm going to do everything I can to meet those expectations. So, uh, if anything, I, you guys will get out of me. Is I'm going to I'm going to compete my, you know, my hind parts off. I'm going to give you everything I got. That was Sergio Romo uh, speaking to media yesterday, making them laugh with his comment about how fast he can run out of the bullpen. Uh, Paul from Toronto in the text line asked if there are metrics for bench clearing brawl. Uh, for instance, who is the fastest bullpen getting this scene? I'll tell you, I, I don't have a metric for it, but uh, Sergio Romo's wish they would index through the roof yesterday. Um, that's how, again, that's how the, the bullpen kind of shapes up right now. We'll expect lots of changes in that regard over the course of the weekend. You'd imagine there's some up and down. You get a 27th man for the Saturday doubleheader. Here's how the Jays are lining up. Tonight, though, which gives us some insight potentially into how they intend to line up. Maybe not the whole rest of the weekend, but at least for tomorrow afternoon game. George Springer in center field. Bo Bichette. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. at first base. Alejandro Kirk gets the DH day and hits cleanup. That, to me, would suggest Kirk's probably catching tomorrow with Barrios. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez hits fifth and plays right. Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Matt Chapman, Santiago Espinal, and Gabriel Moreno catches Yusei Kikuchi and hits ninth. Uh, again, the catcher position is probably the most fascinating other than the bullpen in terms of how they manage five games in short order. You've got a night game Thursday, day game Friday, and then you've got a day game Saturday, a night game Saturday, and a day game Sunday. Um, it would be tough to see any of the catchers playing three of those five behind the plate. So it's probably a scenario where Zach Collins is going to get the start one. Maybe that helps you keep Alejandro Kirk's bat in the lineup for an extra day. Uh, but as Ben Wagner told us earlier, the Jays are going to try to keep rotating um, some of their outfields, getting outfielders, getting an off day or a DH day. We know Vladimir Guerrero Jr. will probably DH one of the doubleheader to keep his bat in the lineup. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it all gets juggled. But Moreno catches Kikuchi tonight. Kirk DHs. I would think that means Kirk is behind the plate tomorrow and Moreno gets the day off. Uh, so that's how the Jays line up. Here's how the Rays line up. Yandy Diaz, Wander Franco, Harold Ramirez, Randy Arozarena, Isaac Paredes, Vidal Bruyan, Taylor Walls, Francisco Mejia, and Josh Lowe. Uh, a lot of soft Jays in Ray's lineup. So good luck to Ben Wagner and, uh, and Dan Schulman tonight, Bruhan and Mejia. Uh, a lot of soft J's. That's look, there, we talked about it with Ben Clemens. This Ray's lineup has not been particularly deadly of late. Um, that's not to say you say Kikuchi is going to have the time of his life. He has just not been uh, pitching well enough to, to think anything along those lines. But if there were a get right spot, in the AL East, it's a really thinned out Rays team. Again, they've got a number of guys on the IL, um, on the hitting side. Manuel Margot, Kevin Kiermeyer, Brandon Lau, Mike Zanino. And they've got a whole bunch of relievers on the IL as well, but that hasn't really affected their bullpen. They just keep cruising. Infinite bullpen guys. Uh, hasn't been the case 
on the hitting side. They've been a little better against lefties than they have against righties. They at least have that going for them. Um, but this is a this is not the deadly Rays lineup uh, you're maybe used to seeing. They're just not hitting the ball that well. It's uh, I'd love to be more clever than that about it and, and have some underlying flaw. Uh, they're just not the race team we've seen in the past. And they have four everyday guys on the IL. Show me the team that would be hitting the ball well with four everyday guys on the IL. It's just not something many teams are uh, equipped to handle. Yandy Diaz has been pretty good. Isaac Paredes uh, has also hit well. Wander Franco coming in at about league average. And then as you get further down in terms of, uh, you know, importance or name value, Harold Ramirez has a, had a nice season. Randy Rosarena, not up to his usual standards, but you know what he can do when he gets hot. He's also stolen a lot of bases already this year with 17. That's one thing to keep an eye on with the Rays. I know Gabriel Moreno has handled the running game well, um, but as their offensive environment as a team has ticked downward, it's probably worth them running a little bit more since a lot of guys up and down their lineup uh, maybe not speed demons, but can steal one here and there, including a Rosarena who has 17. So that's how they line up today. Again, if Kikuchi struggles through this one, I'm not saying it's the easiest lineup in baseball, but we talked to Ben Clemens about it, and Taylor Walls is in, is uh, hitting seventh today. He's hitting 167 on the season, 56 WRC+. plus. So he's been about 45% worse than league average at the plate. Not great. Fidel Bruyan has a 38 WRC plus, 72% worse than league average. Uh, Francisco Mejia, 71 WRC plus, 30% below average. That's three guys who are hitting well below 200, who are playing a big role for this team today. Um, yeah, they're hitting six, seven, eight. Sure, it's not three, four, five, but your six hitter is hitting under 200 batting averages and everything, but it's something. And, uh, Bruhan's OPS is four sixty five. This team's in a bad space. Let's take some text line questions, uh, as well as on Twitter. We talked to Ben Clemens about some bullpen, some relief help targets a little earlier. Uh, just asks, um, I need your help in directing my bullpen frustration. The desperation in signing Romo signals that the org miscalculated on many relievers uh, with expanded playoffs. Every team is in on the high velocity, high leverage guys. Uh, do we trust management not to waste prospect capital? Well, just read. I, I think the answer here is that do you consider you just laid out the case why bullpen is so valuable right now and how many teams are going to be in on high velocity, high leverage guys. Um, is it wasting prospect capital to be in on one of those guys as well? Um, I don't know. Like if they trade Gabriel Moreno for a seventh inning guy. Yeah, that's a, that's a mismanagement of prospect capital. If they cling on to an org depth guy ranked in the twenties, and that's the sticking point that, you know, they, that Pittsburgh walks away from a David Bednar trade. Yeah, that's mismanaging the prospect capital. Um, but I think in general, this front office has shown a willingness to deal from the depth of the organization. And they have a couple potential trade partners uh, who line up with that. Tyler from London asks uh, in a hypothetical David Bednar deal, would the Jays tack on a little more uh, to include Jose Quintana in it? Quintana is 33 year old vet. Uh, he only makes 2 million expiring contract. 
he started 15 games this year and put up a 343 ERA. The last couple of years, it looked like maybe he was done. Um, 643 ERA last year, 468 in 2019, barely pitched in 2020. Um, he has found a way to be effective without striking out as many guys as he used to. Somewhat ironically, he misses more bats now. He just doesn't get as many strikeouts. Uh, that, to me, suggests he's being pretty aggressive early on and uh, in terms of trying to generate swing and miss stuff early and weaker contact early. He's an interesting name. You'd probably just put him in a stripling-like role. He is a guy who has not a lot of experience coming out of the pen, um, but he's made 26 relief appearances, all of them over the last four years, uh, except for three as a rookie. So he does have a little bit of familiarity with that kind of role. Not the worst idea in the world, Tyler from London. Uh, we had asked earlier, Blake from Toronto, who I swear is not me, had sent in a picture of some Dave Steeb uh, bobbleheads that he had from back in the day and asked what everyone else's favorite giveaway is. Because again, Alec Manoa t-shirt day yesterday. I uh, love the look of a lot of the Toronto Blue Jays themselves wearing it with uh, cut off sleeves. Um, a couple answers in the text line. Someone said uh, they got a Corbin Burns bobblehead last Sunday in Milwaukee. Uh, that person arrived to the game late, but everyone got a bobblehead. Um, that's good. I was in Chicago on the weekend and got an Eloy Jimenez bobblehead. Uh, I ended up giving it away. Uh, there was a kid who didn't get one, and I didn't want to carry it back to Toronto with me. So um, shout out to that kid. Uh, Michael and Brantford's favorite giveaway was the Jason Greeley barbecue aprons. I didn't get one of those. I want one. I don't have a barbecue. I live in an apartment in Toronto, but I'm home visiting family for the weekend, and there's a barbecue. There's a deck. Give me the Jason Greeley barbecue apron. Um, someone says the best swag's been the hats, especially the Hawaii caps. Um, I have an uncle who uh, is a service member, and I he's probably really mad at me. He's out in Newfoundland, and I grabbed him two of the um, kind of army-style Jays hats, uh, and we're supposed to ship them out, and they're just sitting in my kitchen in a box. Um, but Uncle Fred, if you hear this, it's because I waited so I could get you guys Teoscar Hernandez bobbleheads as well and uh, put those in the box. So eventually I will uh, I will get those out to you. Um, Neil in Toronto says, uh, Guriel bobblehead day in 2019 after they sent him down to AAA. Uh, that's, a, that's a good one. Um, Josh in Acton suggests Yusei Kikuchi and top infield prospect or Elvis Martinez who can hit a lot of home runs, but the, uh, the discipline profiles, maybe not there yet uh, to Cincinnati for Castillo and Votto. You'd have to work out some salary stuff in terms of how much of Votto's deal does Cincinnati eat or does Kikuchi outweigh that um, Votto would have a hard time finding regular plate appearances on this team with the way the Jays use the DH. But yeah, if you're going to get Joey Votto, come on. Um, Castillo's a nice option as well. Um, probably the number two starter after Frankie Montes, depending on how you rank those two guys and whether uh, you're a team that can have unvaccinated pitchers on your rotation. Uh, that kind of shrinks the market, uh, particularly from that Reds rotation. Um, random stat here while we're talking about bullpens and bullpen targets. Chris Black, our pal from Explain It Black, uh, on Tuesdays on Jays Talk Plus, says a random stat that I think explains Blue Jays' issue 
no pitching staff in baseball has induced fewer swing and misses in the seventh and eighth inning than the Jays. That doesn't surprise me hearing that. That's the way it's felt. That's the way it's looked. Um, Even Sergio Romo, great guy by most accounts, all accounts really uh, excited to see him and see if he's got anything left. But you've already got pitch to contact guys that don't miss a ton of bats uh, traditionally. And this isn't to say that's high velocity and high strikeouts are the only way to get outs, the only way to build a bullpen. But when you are dead last in the league at being able to get out of seventh and eighth innings that way, um, you're not very versatile through your bullpen. And that's something I think that I, I would personally like to see the Jays uh, add a little bit of ahead of the deadline. Trevor Richards is not that answer, but he is beginning a rehab assignment with AAA Buffalo tonight per Arden Zwelling of Sportsnet, our pal, who again, uh, on the radio call with Ben Wagner for all five of these games on the Sportsnet radio network. Uh, there are a few more questions to the text line. I'll try to sprinkle them in, uh, but we're going to take a break because we got Ricky Romero on the other side. Jose Brios is going to start Canada Day game tomorrow. Ricky Romero has done that himself at Rogers Center. Uh, let's see what he thinks. Let's see what he remembers from it. Uh, let's see if he thinks Jose Brios can get things back on track. That's uh, Ricky Romero next on Jay's Talk Plus on Sports at 590 The Fan. The smartest takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Jay's Talk Plus. I'm Blake Murphy. Last time that I checked, Jay's getting ready for first pitch uh, of a five-game series against the Tampa Bay Rays. Again, 707 first pitch. Ben Wagner and Arden Zwelling on the call for you tonight and all weekend. Games, so many games. Friday at 3, Saturday at 12, Saturday at 6, Sunday at 1.30, and tonight at 707. It's Yusei Kikuchi on the mound against an opener. And then we think Ryan Yarbrough to help us look at the starting pitching lineup for this weekend and, and how the Jays navigate what's already been a tough starting rotation and bullpen to, to manage with shorter outings and a couple starters struggling. Uh, gets harder with five games over four days. Uh, but before any of that, we have to talk to former Blue Jays pitcher, Co-host of the Spin Ray podcast, MLB Network Radio regular, and uh, I'm going to put him in a spot to be NBA insider. Ricky Romero, where is Kevin Durant landing? Hey, you tell me, man. Hey, tell me. Announce him to the Raptors already. Let's go. They're I'm, I'm saying there are pictures of him in Jays jerseys over time. The, the better the Jays get, like if the Jays take five out of five this weekend, and there's lots of momentum behind the team, you have to think. That helps bring KD to Toronto, right? <laughs> you would think, right? Honestly, yeah. though, like honestly, honestly, and this is being serious. Like the the more the more the time that I got to spend in Toronto, and and I'm like, as an athlete, why wouldn't you want to come there? Like I'm like, you you win there, it's it's crazy. And I know Kawhi did it for a year and then bounced, but like he forever will be, you know, as one of the I don't know, best athletes to ever go there. And I, it always baffles my mind. I'm like, man, athletes just need to realize that if they go there and win, it's it's insane the amount of love that they get. 
It is. It's, uh, you know, Russell Martin's going to throw out the, the first pitch uh, tomorrow, and they that era didn't even win a, a championship. They just had competitive right. baseball into the playoffs and gave us something to watch in September. All those, J, all, all those Raptors guys who won that championship in 2019, those guys are royalty here, locked in forever. Yeah. Um, Danny Green yeah. could could come back anytime to this city. Marc Gasol, Mar- if Marc Gasol wanted a minimum contract to just sit on the bench and hang out, the Raptors would give it to him right now. So uh, I think you're right. Um, and I think that's true on the baseball side as well. Um, so let's talk about the Jays. Before we get into this series with the Rays, I want to ask you um, the intensity that they showed last night after that hit by a pitch against Alejandro Kirk. Um, that's something you personally like to see out of a team against a division rival. Is that right? 100%. Yeah. And I tweeted about it. I, you love to see that kind of energy. You love to see Vladdy. I mean, when, I don't think anybody has ever seen him like that and uh, sticking up for his guy. And obviously we know Alejandro Kirk has been hot and we know he's <laughs> probably the hottest hitter in the planet right now. And of course, you're going to take exception to being thrown inside um, pretty much all series and then getting hit. But I also, you know, I followed up that tweet with, um, I don't think Pavetta was trying to hit him on purpose. Um, but, and you have to be able to pitch inside. That's just the way it is. When a guy's hot, that's, that's, that's what you're taught as a pitcher. Move his feet, you know, kind of get the inner half back. Don't get him diving out there and looking out over the plate. So, but I, I love the energy from both sides, man. And if this is like, if these are the series that we're going to be in for in the future against the, the Boston Red Sox, it makes it for must watch TV. I had friends texting me that like, dude, I'm glued to the TV right now because I'm, I'm just wondering what's going to happen next. So that's and I, the type of, that, that's the type of energy that you want to have that, as a fan. That's the, that you, it gets you locked in. It gets you um, excited. So uh, I was, I was happy. And even though they lost the game, it's one of those things where it was a, it was a well-played game and hey, last night wasn't their night. Yeah. And it's, you know, I think of that intensity in a game like that. And obviously we'd all prefer the divisions to be more balanced so that uh, it's fairer and the Jays win more games. Um, But when you play a team 18, 19 times in a season, and then look, the, the current playoffs standings or the current standings would have, four AL East teams in the playoffs. Some of these teams are going to play against each other. Um, I think it's great for building rivalries and that kind of, yeah. you know, even if it's fine, once the final pitch is thrown and everyone's cool, that, that level of intensity. And I mean, it, it shows you that they care as much as you do as a fan, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. It's it again, it, it just, it locks you in. I think you're locked into even like even more, uh, of like, you know, when you're watching a baseball game, I feel like you're like in and out, in and out, in and out. But that like locks you in and you're just like, what's going to happen next? Is Manoa going to do something? Because you have the right guy on the mound, the guy that's so emotional and backs up his guys and everything. But obviously you also don't want to, you want to be smart about it because if Manoa comes and hits somebody, then you're, you're looking at suspensions and all that. That's the kind that's the part that kind of stinks that you're, you're worn right away. And you don't, you as the Toronto Blue Jays don't have the chance to even like retaliate. You almost have to pitch a little bit carefully and not, not hit somebody because you don't know what, if the umpire is going to throw you out or not. And you just don't want any of that. And the last thing that these guys need is on anybody to be suspended. But sometimes it's a little fire like this that a team needs. And you saw it last night. You saw it, I feel like, throughout the whole series where it was so emotional, Vladdy hitting that walk-off hit and 
yelling, this is my house, this is our house and stuff like that. Like all that stuff, I feel like it's good energy and, um, and it, it should be exciting. I mean, I, I wish I was there for tomorrow's game just because I know it's going to be electric. Yeah, you're gonna be you're gonna be back here for a bit in July, though, right? And you're gonna you're gonna be joining us a little bit more around Sportsnet and five ninety. Yeah, yeah, I'll be there uh, actually on Saturday. I miss it by a day, so I'm a little bummed. And hopefully uh, next year we make better travel plans. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, okay, I, I want to ask you one more thing about that that kind of skirmish last night or whatever. Sergio Romo has been on this team for like eight minutes and sprints out of the bullpen. To that degree, I know that you were in the Giants organization at the same time that he was there. Did you cross paths with him at all? And if so, what can what can the Jays expect from Sergio Romo? Oh yeah, we we go way back. We go way oh, okay. back even Great. before our Giants. Yeah, the Giants uh, stuff. We were uh, actually the first time I met him. We were teammates in the Arizona Fall League, out of all places, where all the top prospects go and the, you know, the guys that they think are going to on the cusp of maybe making it, making it to the, to the big leagues. And we met there and then we continued to, we paid it off pretty well and we stayed in touch. We saw each other in double a a lot because we used to play the giants affiliate in, um, in the Eastern league. And then after that, we just, yeah, then he got called up to the big leagues and the rest is history for him and the career he's had and, I think what you're going to expect out of him is is a bulldog type mentality, and um, he's he. You see it. You see the charisma on his interviews. You see how he goes about his business, and it, it's it's different. But it's always been him, and this is he's always stayed true to himself. And I think that's why you got to respect that. And I mean, you don't pitch 13 plus years in the big leagues just because you're okay. Like he's doing something right, and he's a guy that I feel like I'm I'm hoping that he's the type of guy that when they bring him in, he can bring out that attitude out of the blue Jays and that, that almost that F you mentality, you know, that, that mentality that it's almost like the blue Jays. We see the, the good, we see, we see them, you know, like this, this is a team like that, that can contend for, for, for a world series and stuff like that. But I, I feel like they're still searching for that identity. And I think Sergio can bring that to the table. I think Manoa is a big part of that too, obviously. And he, he gives yeah. you the good start yesterday and you don't come away with the win. Um, that was maybe expected to be Jose Barrios. He got the opening day start. He's going to start tomorrow on Canada Day. Uh, I want to talk to you about Barrios and his stuff and Kikuchi a little bit. But um, first, you started a home game on Canada Day at Rogers Center. How special was that for you? And what memories do you have from that start? I started too. And the first one, it was as, as a rookie. Yeah. It was uh, one against the Rays and two and the second one against the Philadelphia Phillies. That was uh, when Doc first came back to Toronto, actually. Um, so both of them, uh, my first time, I didn't know what to expect. I just heard from the older guys, I was a rookie, from the older guys that they're like, dude, wait till you walk out. Um, it almost feels like it's probably crazier than opening day. And I was like, come on. And they're like, yeah. And when I started warming up, I was like, oh, my God, the stadium's <laughs> full. It almost seems like everyone's already – pretty looped up from uh from from having beers early in the morning it just seems like everyone's ready to go and i love it i love the energy obviously going out there and pitching eight shutout innings by the way i still remember that don't ask me why but i do because it well, was you threw eight shutout innings on a huge game <laughs> exactly and it almost feels like a playoff atmosphere type type of game and um and it just showed me what, what uh, July 1st is all about in Canada and, and how much it means and, uh, to them. And um, it, it was awesome. I mean, 
it, I remember just going out there and, and thriving, you know, under the crowd, the, the noise and, and everything that they brought to the table that day. And then, uh, and then the second time I got to pitch it and I knew a little bit of what to expect, but it was still just as fun. And those are honestly two of the two. I have a lot of cool memories, but those are, are obviously rank up there because I didn't ever pitch in the playoff game. So I don't know what it's like, but um, from opening day starter to Canada day starter to being part of an all-star game, those are like up there in, in my top moments in my career. So it's definitely something that's really, really special. And, um, you know, and, and hopefully I'm hoping Jose Barrios goes out there and has a, a great outing himself. You remember uh, a lot about those starts. Obviously you were like, Oh man, this is so cool. I got to marry a Canadian. I got to have a part-time place in Canada. Um, right. <laughs> you, you said you struck out or you, uh, you threw eight shutout. Do you remember how many you struck out in that game? Oh man. No, I don't. 11, 10, seven, seven, um, seven. Ah, yeah. Okay. Nothing, nothing that high. I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be yeah. in a bad spot. There. The cra- <laughs> Honestly, the craziest thing about that line here in 2022 is that you threw 113 pitches and that's I, I like, imagine a guy throwing 113 pitches. Now it would be headline news. I think. Yeah. It'd be the end of the world, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, and, and and you know what? Um, looking back at it, obviously, Cito Gaston was that type of manager that hey, he's going to write his starters, and that's just kind of the the. I don't want to sound old by any means, Blake, but that's kind of the era that we pitched in, and it was just that that type of mentality: go out there and 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 give me everything you got, and if I. I use my eye test. If I see that you're hot, I, I run you out there for another inning. And that's just the way it was. And um, obviously, coming from, I, I like to call it call, coming from uh, Doc Halliday University, that's the mentality you took. And every other starter, it was like, I want to match what he's doing. I, I'm, I'm, I might not be as good as him, but if he goes nine innings, I want to go nine innings. And that's just what it was. And uh, again, it was fun. I mean, I still remember a bases loaded jam that I was able to get out of. I mean, it, all, stuff like that lives in my mind because those were cool moments, like bases loaded, no outs, and I get out of the seventh inning, I believe, with no with no runs. And the energy, the energy that you have, the crowd has, everything was just so so cool to be a part of. And and I remember Cito, yeah, coming up to me, he's like, "You good?" I'm like, "I'm good." Like your heart's ready to bust out of your chest, and you're just like, "Let's go, let's let's ride it for another inning." Luckily, I was able to get out there and, and put up another zero, and we ended up winning the game. There you go. Uh, the Jays will be looking for at least some zeros from Barrios tomorrow. Kikuchi on the mound tonight. They're going to have a triple-A call-up on Saturday. And this bullpen's already fairly uh, overworked. When you look at what Barrios has done lately, um, you know, the biggest culprit seems to be that his curve has eluded him at times. What are you looking for from Barrios tomorrow um, when he goes out there, is it just the snap on the curveball, the fastball location, the the confidence? I know that's something you've talked about a couple times of yeah. guys just having the yeah. confidence to attack with their good stuff. Um, what's the the key thing for you that you're looking for? Because Brios has been pretty up and down, and it's it it almost feels like it's never the same thing. Yeah, no, you're right, you're right, and and it's one of those things where, um, I think. And this is just me from from watching him throw. I, and I've been talking about this. Yeah, you mentioned confidence. That's that's the number one. Like let's let's get that straight. That if you don't have confidence as a starting pitcher, then it's game over. No matter how good of stuff you have that day, if you don't have confidence in throwing certain pitches, then you, then you shouldn't be out there. Um, uh, 
I, I, I feel like the confidence is there for him, but when I've seen him at his best is the tempo. He's got good rhythm going. He gets on the mound quick. He's throwing strike one. and He's not a guy that's going to walk a lot of guys. I, I believe he he hardly walks anybody, but it's when he's in the zone a little bit too much and his stuff gets a little bit flat. And and when that happens, I think that fastball just doesn't get located correctly and he gets he gets hit. And when he's got that good uh, slider going, that good slider fastball going, and he's locating that sinker. I mean, we've seen that sinker at like 94, 95 in at the hands of, of hitters, and he can backdoor it. When he doesn't, when that gets flat, I feel like he's a completely different pitcher, and we've seen uh, his struggles through that. But when he's got a good sinker and he's able to have a lot of movement on it, it's it's night and day for him, and, and I'm sure he knows it. And um, and again, it starts with confidence, and if he's able to go out there and feed off the crowd and hey man forget about everything else like you i'm a firm believer you do your work four days in between your starts when you come out on that fifth day just go out there and 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 let your athleticism let your good stuff take over and i feel like good things good things will happen if he goes out and does that so you mentioned that you you know you're a graduate of roy halliday university so you wanted to go out there and eat as many innings as you can um let's let's play out the scenario where things don't go great for brios tomorrow do you also feel like if you're the one of the vets on the staff a sense of duty to eat up innings even when you don't have it on a weekend like this where you've got a doubleheader and the bullpen's probably overtaxed yeah yeah i mean yeah, we took it personal. Um, this I'm talking about when when I was pitching. Still, it was one of those things where if I knew the bullpen was taxed and I gave up, you know, two, three, four runs, it was like it is my duty. It is my duty to try and get into the sixth, seventh inning somehow, some way. I don't know how I'm gonna do it. I don't have my best stuff, but I'm gonna get there. And that's the mentality that you take. And I know nowadays we see a lot. Of, like if you give up two, three runs, it's like, oh, all right, let's get the the bullpen up but I, I think it should be the opposite sometimes it takes a little bit to settle in and once you settle in hey man go out there and, and just eat up as many innings as you can and i'm sure again it, it, it crosses his mind um you know as you as you're going through that moment and they didn't want to go out there him or kikuchi didn't want to go out there and stink it up uh, in milwaukee this past weekend but it happened and stuff like that happens and you're hoping that you know again we've seen them when they've been good and if they can write out a nice little stretch, I'm all for it, man. I mean, cause it would be exciting. Again, you, you add those two, they, those two get hot the way Manoa has been pitching and the way Gosman has been pitching to it. That's four starters that can be legitimately really, really fun as the season goes on. They just need to get on their, uh, on that little hot streak and, and hopefully they make the adjustments that they got to make in between starts and they go out there again and just free it up. And uh, I like to say it just, just go out there and, and let it fly, man. I mean, they, they both got such good stuff, such quality stuff that they just have to really believe in it now. So I want to throw one deep analytics thing at you. Um, they're going to wear the the red uniforms on Saturday or tomorrow, I'd imagine, because it's Canada Day. Um, I, I don't have the stats in front of me. Maybe you have them in front of you. They just they feel way better in the blue uniform with the white front panel hat. Uh, do you, you got anything for me on that? I know you're you're a big fan of that look instead of the red jersey. I, I the two tone hat I love it, man. I, I think it's classic, right? I mean, would yeah. you agree? It's just a classic look. It's my favorite it just to looks wear. Sharp. Anyway. Yeah, it is. It really is. So so is, so is mine, and so is my 
youngest son. He loves wearing like I'm always like, here you go, here's the blue, all blue one. He's like, no, I want the white and blue. And I'm like, okay. Um, so, um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I, I feel like I hear different. I, I hear mixed feelings from those red jerseys. It, like, it, should they wear them on Canada Day? Should they not wear on Canada Day? I don't. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I, I'm fine with wearing it for Canada Day. I think I just don't like the idea of it being like a semi-regular jersey. Like when they're wearing it on a random gotcha. Wednesday or something like that, I don't yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I feel less yeah. strongly about that one. But I'm with you, man. And you're like you said, your son, ki- kids are usually the best guide of these things, right? Like <laughs> like throwback Raptors jerseys, every kid loved and adults were like, nah, nah, that's that's too gimmicky. And then like you fast forward 15, 20 years and it's like the hottest throwback. So um, oh, dude! We'll, yeah, it's we'll it's funny you say us. that because it's funny you say that because my wife has an old school, the old school uh, uh, Raptors jersey, a Vince Carter one too, and nice. she's saving it for for our oldest one. And I'm like, well, we'll see if he wears it. But um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's great, man. Um, well, I hope uh, I hope you and the family have a, a safe trip back up here to Toronto later in the weekend uh enjoy the long weekend and looking forward to catching you around uh the halls at sportsnet again absolutely anytime blake let me know thank you so much for having me on yeah and uh i'll text you when i get the kd to the raptors information (laughs) don't 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 let don't let Woj don't let or shams beat you to the punch all right no way man never never Uh, all right have a good weekend ricky you too that was ricky romero uh former jays starter of course co-host of the spin rate podcast over at the athletic and uh regular on mlb network radio regular on our show now too which is uh which is awesome Uh, again a guy who started two canada day games for the blue jays at rogers center so he knows how cool a day like tomorrow will be he also knows the pressure that a guy like jose brios might be feeling a little bit more on the text line scattered through uh sj from north york wants to know if kevin durant could help the jays bullpen uh yes probably but that's a heavy price tag for relief help paying about 40 mil a year uh, for a reliever um, Tim and Peterborough ask says so from what I heard every time a batter in the league gets hit uh, his team should come on the field and go after the pitcher no Tim that's absolutely not what Ricky was saying he's saying as a hotly contested series um, very tight games high emotion and the Red Sox with a clear strategy at times to pitch to Jay's best hitters inside and try and take over that part of the strike zone. That's something that goes back and forth between teams over the course of a game, over the course of a series, over the course of a season. So I don't think it was anything as insidious as, oh, anytime someone gets hit, you got to throw hands. Uh, I think Ricky just appreciates the intensity of the games that that points to, not necessarily that he wants to see Sergio Romo first day on the team, hop over the the turnbuckles and, and get the hot tag. Um, just that it, it shows the intensity. It shows that these guys uh, care as much about this stuff as the fans do. Um, Chuck from Oshawa asks what the team's record is with the red jerseys. I don't have it handy. Um, I don't know if it's something that anyone tracks or anything like that. I'm sure every someone tracks everything. Um, but yeah, it doesn't feel like it's been a, a good jersey. And I thought the white panel hat was having a, a good little run. I know Manoa had called it potentially their uh, their sweep look. Uh, when he's gone out, but you know, the way things went yesterday didn't quite end up that way. Um, thank you for keeping those texts coming in at five ninety five ninety. You can of course do that throughout the weekend. You can call as well. Um, Blair and Barker have you Jay's talk post game tonight 
and then show Ali will have you for most of the weekend pre in between and post games. Um, again, Ben Wagner and Arden Zwelling on the call for all five on the Sportsnet radio network. And then the TV side has you covers covered as well. Uh, you say Kikuchi goes for the Jays tonight. It hasn't been good for him. The fastball has been hit pretty hard. The slider has been hit pretty hard. The cutter has been hit pretty hard. And that changeup that he only throws to righties that has been very, very good still doesn't play quite as well when the fastball and the slider uh, aren't finding the zone, aren't finding the command. And with the fastball, especially doesn't have the confidence behind it. So the result has been Kukuchi still getting strikeouts, still getting whiffs, but most of his contact rate stuff is bottom of the league. We're talking an average exit velocity, barrel percentage, um, expected slugging, expected weighted on base average, hard hit rate, uh, all that stuff. He's in the bottom fifth, bottom 5% of the league and with walk rate as well. So um, attack a little bit more, a little more confidence in the stuff. This might be your last crack at the rotation for a little while, at least without uh, an opener. The Jays will line up behind Kikuchi like this. George Springer, Bobachet, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Alejandro Kirk at designated hitter, hitting fourth, Teoscar Hernandez, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Matt Chapman, Santiago Espinal, and Gabriel Moreno catching Kikuchi and hitting ninth. That, to me, would suggest Kirk's probably catching the afternoon game tomorrow with Jose Barrios on the hill as they look to rotate guys in and out of the DH spot and try to keep Kirk's bat in the lineup while also making sure you don't play George Springer and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Matt Chapman all five games uh, in the field over the course of, yes, just 70 hours. That's it. That's all this five games are taking place over. Um, hope you guys get a chance to check out some of them, whether down at the Rogers Center in person where uh, it's looking like it's going to be a beautiful Thursday night and a pretty nice weekend, um, if not there, on Sportsnet, on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Um, hope you're all Paul Guelph Texan red jersey is absolutely terrible. Um, I don't even mind them that much aesthetically. I just don't like it as a regular uh, jersey option. So have a happy long weekend. Have a safe long weekend. Have a long weekend where you're attached to your phone because it's NBA free agency and Kevin Durant's going to go somewhere and the NBA is the best on weekends like this. But you're looking at your phone while you have five Blue Jays games on before you get another Jays Talk Plus episode on Monday. Um, thanks again to Ben Wagner for coming on. Ben Clemens to Ricky Rowe, who knows something about starting Canada Day games here in Toronto. Uh, thanks to JR and Derek behind the glass as well. Uh, and thanks to everyone for sending those texts in. Again, Kikuchi on the mound tonight. Matt Weisler followed by Ryan Yarborough, we think, as the kind of follower for the Rays. Uh, they'll go Yandy Diaz, Wander Franco, Harold Ramirez, Randy Rosarena, Isaac Paredes, Vidal Brujan, Taylor Walls, Francisco Mejia, and Josh Lowe against Yusei Kikuchi. Let's see if he can bounce back. The Rays have not been a deadly offense of late. And the Jays have been hitting. I don't know that they're going to hit Shane McClanahan later in the weekend, but you can certainly get to the Rays bullpen early. It's probably imperative with five games in 70 hours. Have a great weekend, everyone. Enjoy the chaos of the NBA. Enjoy the chaos of five games in three days. We'll be back with Jays Talk Plus Monday on Sportsnet 590 The Fan.